Oh, it's cracking, lovely people. Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast, episode 185. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, and I'm a nutritional therapist by trade. I began my career in professional rugby union and outdoor endurance and adventure sports. More recently, I've worked in corporate wellness. I'm obsessed with helping people cut through all the nutritional noise. I also work in digital healthcare as a health coach for pre-diabetics and type 2 diabetics supporting blood sugar regulation, body composition change and health span. I'm a food fanatic and I love a bit of outdoor fizz. If you like the show, please share it with someone. Ultimately, it's the only way the show will grow lovely people. You can also subscribe to the show via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, do me a solid and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. The link is in the show notes. 33 Fuel support the show. I've been running the podcast since 2016 and 33 Fuel have been there from the beginning. The founders, Warren and Erica, live down the road from me. They're awesome. And 33 Fuel produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. Now, morning routine is everything. And when I wake up, I'm on the road with my job three weeks a month and I'm always putting a tablespoon of their greens powder in my morning shake. Get involved and use Matt10 at checkout for 10% off your first order. I've used their natural energy drink and their chia seed energy gels on every single one of my ultra marathons. I run one a year. I have done for the last five years. I've got one coming up later on in this year and I will pack in their chia seed energy gels and their natural energy drink. Drink? Can't even speak. Their protein bar has just won a fantastic award by BBC Good Food. So check that out. And everything you need, like I said, is in the show notes and you can get a cheeky saving. So use Matt10, get 10% off and get involved. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Dan from DRN Nutrition, involving health and performance nutrition for pro sport athletes and schools. Let's get into this one with Dan. I can't wait for you to enjoy, hopefully enjoy anyway, this conversation with Dan from DRN Nutrition. Dan, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me on. Look, it's awesome to have you on because I think out of the many conversations I've had around nutrition and performance nutrition, I'm not too sure if we've gone into things around schools. And obviously we're talking about off the call how that's developed for you organically and how things are going there. But let's bring things right back because we've had a bit of a gap in the podcast. It's good to restart and bring the listeners someone new. I know you listen to the show. We've connected through Instagram. So let people know, especially the practitioners listening and coaches listening and things, how you got into performance nutrition before we move into the, the work you're doing in schools and, and with pro athletes. Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, I think I came through a very conventional route as a sports nutritionist. Um, so I studied sports science at university at Durham Uni. Um, and from that kind of developed the passion like most nutritionists do, learning all the different disciplines, but specifically in nutrition. Uh, from there, I did a little bit of work experience while still doing my sports science degree that led me into really wanting to push on and kick on with, um, you know, my sports nutrition and becoming a practitioner um, in the nutrition industry. From there, I went and did a master's degree um, at Manchester Metropolitan, where I reside now in Manchester. Um, and then I went on and worked with a few professional athletes and a few elite teams as well uh, from many different roles, such as like academy nutritionist all the way up to the head of nutrition um, at a rugby club. And then from there, I've kind of 
deviated a little bit away, like we were saying just before this call and this podcast, was I'm still keeping that door open for the elite athletes, still work with some one-to-one elite athletes, uh, but a lot of my time is now spent within schools working with their elite performance. Um, so in a lot of schools now, the emphasis is on sport and on um, excelling in sport and really giving you know young athletes that head start against their competitors. Um, and that's something I go in and deliver on. So I deliver different programs, packages, etc., um, that allow you know the student athletes to get a real taste of what you know elite performance is like and what um, you know the professionals have uh, to hand and to access. Wow, it's really interesting to hear about the evolution of your career. And I think if we start at the beginning, I was reflecting on my first couple of months as an intern at a professional rugby club, and I actually slept on my boss's futon in his living room for the first pre-season and quite a lot of the you know that first part of the role what was it like for you in that first can you remember the first six months or so when you when you're an you know an ACAD nutritionist and because that's a big deal for people listening coming out studying four years I did the same and you're, you're taking on what's seen as a dream job and then you hit the ground running and you reflect on it a bit and you think wow this is a bit different to what I expected wasn't it yeah, so working with academies, I think I just I found from the from the offset was whatever I'd learned in four years, you have to learn to apply it. And actually, a lot of it, it's not about knowing the knowledge and being able to understand the research and whatever else. It's actually how you can portray that across to an athlete. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is the buy-in. You know, if you can't get a young player, especially an academy player, to listen to what you've got to say and respect your um, opinions and what you know and your knowledge. Um, then you're never going to be able to do that with a first team player. So I think actually being a you know an academy nutritionist, it was very much looking towards building those relations from an early stage with players and learning how players operate actually. Because you know at university we learn all the methodology, we learn how it's done, but we don't get to know how it's done in practice. And I think one of the biggest things and the biggest mistakes, not necessarily mistakes, but biggest things I learned and took away from working with academies was, you know, how can I turn what I know from university into something much bigger which is performance on a field um, and that's something which i think every single nutritionist starting out has to find their own path and kind of cave their own way um in terms of knowing you know which methods work best for them which methods work best for certain types of players uh, i mean i think a lot of psychology comes into play when it comes to um you know nutrition practices and making sure players are on target yeah you nailed it at the psychology side because you learn quite quickly that especially in from the academy side of things they're pushing for those first team contracts, the ebb and flow of the year, especially through the winter. If they're studying on the side, you know, the family dynamic, the travel dynamic, if they're staying in a massive kind of complex with a load of other young players, obviously the young guys and girls as well, they want to go out, enjoy themselves. So there's a lot of play there. And then you're sitting down going through some workshop on, you know, pre and post workout and uh, match nutrition and things like that. And even just to get them to take away one or two things, you realise that's a real win. Whereas obviously university, postgrad level, you just tick every box and, and, and it's uh, the fundamentals are obviously there and the structure. But then uh, you just have to look for small wins in those young people, don't you? Yeah, massively. And I think that's that's probably the best, you know, takeaway from that is the small wins, you know. I used to always say to all the academy guys, look, you know, a lot of academies don't have nutritionists, especially not full-time nutritionists that are willing to put the time and effort in um, like me and, you know, my colleagues were. And I was like, if you can take away, you know, two to three different points of nutrition that you can apply to your practice, that's going to make you, you know, two or 3% better than anybody else in the opposition's field. You know, and you add that up across a full team, 
and everybody else is doing a couple more percentages extra by working on their nutrition, you know, you're going to come out with a really strong team. And don't get me wrong, that's the same for, you know, S&C, um, you know, physio, sports rehab, anything like that. If any young player can take away just one or two points from each discipline, they're going to be a better all-rounder. And I used to try and really get that across to the academy guys was, look, if you can just come away from this talk with one new piece of learning and information that you can apply, then that's going to make you 1% better than what you were yesterday. And that's going to give you, you know, a 1% more of a chance of becoming a professional athlete um, at the end of this academy period. And like you say, it's very, you know, cutthroat. It's very, um, I want to say, somewhat aggressive in terms of the way players come and go and the ebb and flow of the season. Um, and I think, you know, for an athlete of that uh, calibre to go through those kind of mental demands, bringing something like nutrition in can often be quite a challenge because they've got so much going on already in their minds. To then add this additional pressure of, nutrition um you know it's very difficult for them to understand everything about nutrition so i think our jobs you know when we were down as academy nutritionists was just to give them just enough to improve their performance or make them the best they can be without overloading them with information on supplementation and the research behind it um, and you know there was no type kind of like body fat testing or anything like that at the academy's hours that because again those numbers can really cause you know detrimental stress to a player and we know that stress can be you know have a really negative impact and consequence on performance and recovery. Um, so a lot of our focus was on that kind of uh, nutrition that was just easily and readily available for them to access um, and utilise when they needed. So I'm hearing, obviously, you're into inspiring young people, especially through nutrition. Did you have someone when you were younger as a bit of a role model for health and fitness, or is it something where you just developed your passion and, and like you said, you started your career from the academy side and working with young athletes and now you've obviously blossomed into delivering high performance nutrition workshops in schools was there anyone if if I can take you back to that that inspired you to think actually that could be a career for me having someone growing up that you looked up to that that was into the health and fitness their nutrition eating well for happiness that kind of thing yeah so I think a little bit of a, a flip on that question. I think mine was that I didn't have somebody who was, right. you know, necessarily. My mum and dad were very, you know, sporty, fit people. They, um, we kind of say pushed me into rugby at a young age, but let me find what sport I enjoyed most, which was rugby at the time. Um, so I played a lot of rugby league as a youngster. Um, but my problem was I was always interested, even from like 13, 14 in the gym, how I could develop and grow better, you know, what supplements were available to me that I could take, you know, looking at all of the bodybuilding.com blog posts, trying to work out whether a protein creatine mix was the best format or whether you needed BCAAs and, you know, really, you know, inquisitive and looking at kind of, you know, nutrition more so than anything, but alongside that strength and conditioning and general training in the gym to better myself as a rugby player. And I think up until probably 16 to 18 was when, you know, I started looking at GCCP and things like that. And again, there was still nothing within that that was satisfying that itch and that scratch that I had to go and learn more about nutrition. Um, And obviously still playing rugby and being an active rugby player then. I was in a couple of academies myself. Again, back then, we didn't have nutritionists to hand. And I think something that inspired me when I became a nutritionist was a nutritionist was when I, you know, eventually went onto the field. It was like, right, a young dad, for example, playing in an academy or playing in a, um, you know, an amateur setup, never had this opportunity to have somebody come in and speak. And I know myself, if I had that back then, my rugby career would probably be a lot different now. I wouldn't have been, um, you know, finishing up at 24 years of age and not playing anymore. I think I probably would have got a bit more longevity out of my rugby career um, and also potentially even made myself a, 
you know, better player than what I was. And I think when I got to university, it was the same there. I was learning about sports science, but we didn't have a nutritionist to hand. So I took it upon myself to start teaching the guys around me about, you know, this is what we need to eat pre-post game. These are the kind of things we need to look out for, dehydration, you know, electrolytes on a warm day, things like that, that we really looked towards. And I started to implement at like 18, 19 at university, which back then I felt like a bit of a senior player, even though I was very young for the, for the group. And I thought I was kind of doing my bit. But actually, it was just that general drive and passion um, to, you know, deliver something I never had when I was young. Um, and I think that's something, so not necessarily a role model, but actually the curiosity of the topic and um, actually missing out myself and having that kind of nutrition discipline put into my life as an early level um, sports player, I think, is why I kind of really pursued that as a passion and, you know, kind of grasped hold of it with both hands. Yeah, the curiosity side, I think you nailed it on the head there developing your um, knowledge base but then also practicing it with people who you're working with and then obviously you're directly related to from a performance point of view if they're going to perform better you're going to perform better especially in a team sport side of things and that's brilliant I think it, it moves us on perfectly because I think the listeners now understand what motivates you and how you've obviously come to to speak to people on a on a larger scale obviously through covid online and stuff but now back in person and and i urge you anyone listening to go i've linked to dan's uh, instagram uh, sorry the drn nutrition company's instagram on um the show notes and then you can see obviously your your work firsthand in schools all around the country you're not just hitting the area that you live we were talking about obviously before the call getting in your car traveling so if these requests come in you're there so um, I think if we structure it in a way where people can kind of understand the the process you go through, I assume there must be kind of fundamentals. Are you speaking to the to the young athletes, these pupils, firstly about the fundamentals of nutrition and, and why nutrition is important? And then I assume if a school asks you something specific, like a key topic like hydration or like fueling, then you'll dive into it. Do you have quite a kind of similar format for each one or will you do bespoke work depending on what they need so i i go down probably two routes pretty much what you've just said there but i think you know seeing it as like building a house you can't really build on top without the foundation so no matter what i do with schools first and foremost it's getting everybody's knowledge to a baseline level so um you know specifically in schools where social media is rife you know rumors myths etc all running around about we should be having this this and this you know, we should be fasting for four days, eating for two, I've heard in schools, and we should be, you know, doing this, doing that. And actually, it's just going in and explaining just generally what nutrition is and not really putting any emphasis on calories or macronutrients, but just getting them to understand what's on their plate and why they need it for health. And then potentially a little bit of a link into sport in that first session. It depends, obviously, like you say, which school it is and what kind of package they want to run. I must admit, I've never, I always thought when I started this that I'd have, you know, maybe three set packages that I could follow and I could take them into each school and say, here's package one, it's about health and sport, here's package two, it's sport and in-depth, here's package three, it's one-to-one consultations, whatever it might be. That's how I started out and actually very quickly learned that no school was the same and that's the same in sport as well. You know, every team you go into and every team I've gone into, it's always been different in terms of their setup, their structure and what they want to deliver to the players. Um, so I soon realised the first thing I needed to do with every school was get the director of sport and all of the heads of sport on one big call and just write down their core values of that school and what they want to achieve for the package. And then from there, I go away, spend a couple of days kind of milling over what package to deliver, kind of how it would run best. So then I do 
capable of kind of mapping out and prepping, send it back over to the director of sport. They then take it off, approve it, or sometimes they have a couple of comments to make on it. But usually it, it kind of follows suit of that general introduction to health nutrition, general introduction to sports nutrition, and then we start to break off into those deeper topics, so hydration, sleep, um, you know, well-being, nutrition, well-being, um, looking around, you know, pre and post game, team sport, individual sport, and then some schools, especially ones that look at that elite performance, put uh, different types of workshops in. So I do a lot of like cook-alongs, bake-alongs, where what we'll do is either, depending on their facilities, again, that can always have a big impact on the package, but depending on the facilities, one or two things with the cook-alongs we tend to do. First one is if they've got the ability for me to stand at the front like a food tech teacher, I will cook along with the kids, explaining why we're cooking and what we're cooking with a nice presentation behind me. Um, that's explaining exactly what we're cooking, why we're cooking it and why we need it for health, but also for sport um, and then linking it back to their specific sports and then other kind of ways of doing it. If there isn't that front stage for me to stand on, I'll get right in the trenches, I like to call it, get them cooking around um, have a couple of assistants just checking that they're not, um, you know, undercooking any chicken or anything like that. And we'll go around and I'll have, you know, those one to one deep, meaningful conversations about nutrition. Um, with specific athletes and I'll kind of target those ones that I've noticed haven't really asked any questions in the previous weeks that I know they want to ask questions because they're very good sporting athletes but they're probably a little bit too shy to ask so uh, throughout the weeks I'm always observant of you know which athletes potentially might need a little bit more help than others there's always a couple of athletes don't get me wrong that want to know everything and they want you know your full undivided attention throughout every single session but you've got to prioritize the ones that don't tend to speak up in those sessions because it gives them a nice opportunity while everyone else is distracted cooking to actually have that conversation they've been meaning to have. Um, and then usually towards the last stage of a program, we drop into those um, you know, team sport discussions and one-to-one -one discussions. Um, so I think especially at a young age and at an uh, you know, a young athlete's age, we don't need to be looking at those specific one-to-one -one consultations, working out calories, working out macros, giving them a meal plan to follow. You know, it's it's gone in the days of that. That's kind of old school mentality of nutrition, I think. And I think new school is the education. So to me, having a one-to-one -one isn't necessarily about delivering, you know, a specific meal plan and telling them just to eat on that plan and that's all they can have. It's actually asking what questions they have and then following it up with infographics and further information that they can take away and then apply to their daily life to create the right habits when it comes to nutrition. Yes, it's a very pragmatic approach, it sounds like, especially going to the school and understanding what drives them, their core values. I think that's amazing because obviously we come in as specialists, performance nutritionists and want to write the playbook. But if you can work in the reverse way and then that builds trust, doesn't it? You're not going in bulldozering things and saying this is how it should be done. And then once that's there, I love that. Bring back food tech for sure. I used to, I did that as a as a GCSE actually in uh, God whenever I, whenever I left school at God that was yeah where am I thirty one now so I don't even know if they do those in schools anymore. But using the facilities and like you said, if you can be up the front and you can make one of your meals and 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 talk people and cook along, brilliant. But then then you can bring that back to even if there's a small little setup with a few athletes and things doing something. You can have that that conversation in their ear and like you said they might be focusing on what they're doing so you can pry a little bit and and speak about how to tweak their environment and then they'll they'll get back to it and at the end of the day if anyone's a foodie they're going to engage in that session because they probably want to eat what they're making and doing that so um that sounds fantastic dan that's brilliant and i think like you say there you know just utilizing the facilities that they've currently got some schools have got amazing facilities others you know don't have as good of facilities but that doesn't mean they need to miss out on you know certain aspects of a program 
in nutrition. I think that's the same with clubs. You know, I've worked in a lot of different clubs that have had a lot of money or clubs that have had less money. But regardless, you can still provide the same service. You've just got to adapt your teaching style or your abilities to teach nutrition or deliver nutrition um, based on kind of what the club or the school has to offer in terms of facilities. And I think, you know, often that can be overlooked. I've heard a couple of performance nutritionists in the past saying, I've not got the, you know, the tools or the facilities to run something like that. And it's like, we'll start thinking outside the box of how you could do that. You know, whether it, you take all of them out, you know, to, you know, you hire a facility somewhere else as opposed to doing it there. Or whether, you know, I know one of the clubs I worked at, they had one kitchen station and was delivering, as opposed to them cooking the food, I was cooking it whilst they were chatting to me. Um, and then I made enough so they could all have a taste of it afterwards. And that's all they cared about because... They're all foodies, like you say, most players and athletes enjoy their food. So actually the, the thought of them getting a meal out of this for listening up to an education session was, you know, huge. And they learned some skills as well um, in terms of their cooking skills and culinary skills. Yeah, thinking outside the box is key. Obviously, if you can't deliver things all the time in person, I'll obviously ask you in a second how often you get back to some of these schools and if you work with them more than once. But I just remember even the setup where some of these players or um, students and things are eating their meals, the organisation there, things obviously being clean and tidy, put put together in the right way, labels, maybe posters. There's obviously been simple things that are highly effective like smoothie bars or if people have their supplements and things out, you know, that basic around just putting them out and then the players and the students and things, obviously students aren't having supplements, but putting things together, maybe some of the academy players are, and they have to then take ownership. So you have to be flexible. Obviously on the back end, it's probably not a headache, but it's obviously a lot of work for you to then have to mould your service. But really, because there's no playbook around this, especially if you're being mobile, going to these schools and coming in as a, as, as a guest speaker as well to speak to some of these young athletes, you do have to be flexible with it. And it sounds like you enjoy it. So do you often go back? So a lot of the time I've done some of the work in schools, mostly around London and things, I've had a fantastic session. And then that's obviously been it. I've gone back to one or two in the past and I've gone back to speak at businesses maybe once a year or, or maybe even once every two years. But how how much are they investing in seeing you over time so that they can build a rapport with you and some of the young people? And then obviously, like you said, you can focus on the ones that have a lot of knowledge base and will speak up and, and really engage. That's excellent. But then the ones down the other end who need more support, need more encouragement, and then you can help them become more confident and get them to talk to you about what they really want to focus on so you can mould your support. Yeah, certainly. So I think it, it started mainly probably the worst time in lockdown. Hmm. Uh, decided to start this venture, which I think everybody did. Um, you know, I was working with a few of my one-to-one athletes. Um, elite sport had kind of been shut down. Um, so I wasn't actually going into the club that I was working at at the time. Uh, we're working somewhat remotely, but at a lot less capacity compared to what you know elite sport was. And again, just trying to scratch that itch of what can I do and what can I deliver? Um, and it kind of came off the back of a friend who works at school. And he was like, do you know what? We'd have you, you know, in the school. We've spoke about it before lockdown about having, you know, some elite guest speakers come down out from elite sport. Um, and you were one that was earmarked. Any chance, and this school was down in Nottinghamshire. So is there any chance you could just do a talk online? It saves you driving down because we're in COVID, we're in a lockdown. Um, and from there, I delivered that talk. A couple of things went on LinkedIn and then I contacted a few more schools. And then from there, we did a few one-off talks. So I ended up you know, delivering a couple of talks that just essentially, just you know, like you say, you went in, you delivered maybe that one talk on a specific topic around nutrition, whether that, you know, like you say, in a company or a school. And then, you know, you don't really hear much else from it. 
And I think as things started to open back up, schools were more receptive to a performance package as opposed to just the one-off talk. Um, and I think, you know, there's research to show that, you know, if you, you know, if you just do something once, it's going to, the retention's very low. Whereas if you can constantly reinforce that throughout an academic year, then, um, you know, that's really going to help with solidifying the knowledge of these players, plus the rapport that's built with a specific individual. So like, um, I kind of played on that a little bit in terms of making sure that we had maybe four to six to eight week packages. So some schools I went in once a month, delivered a different topic. Other schools we did a four week block and then that was it for the year. And then I'll be back the following year. So now I'm into coming in this September for schools. I'm into my second year of delivering packages and all the schools that I've worked with this year are looking towards going bigger and better this year. So, um, for example, one of the schools that did a six week program with um, last year, which lasted six hours, they're looking to do a 12 week program this year, uh, 12 weeks, so 12 hour program this year. So the way it's going to work because they love the cooking session so much and the what the children got out of it and what the students got out of it what we're going to do is we're going to deliver a package whereby we do an hour of theory and then we go straight into the hour of practical afterwards so it's still fresh on the mind that topic and the idea behind that one that's one of the schools that i won't be still at the front i'll be in the trenches chatting to the students we want them to take 10 minutes whilst they're prepping their ingredients where i don't speak to them and then from there we're going to then build on from that and decide you know what questions have you got for me around the topic we've just discussed instead of doing the Q&A at the end in front of everybody, which might make it a little bit embarrassing. So I think actually schools are very receptive to that continuation of programming um, because, you know, every year they get a new cohort of students in, but also, you know, the year 10s become year 11s, they mature a little bit more, their information they need for nutrition is a little bit different, um, you know, especially if it's over, you know, many years, your year 7s are going to end up being year 11s, and what you taught them in year 7s is not going to, you know, stand in year 11 for these students or even sixth formers. So I think... You know, there comes a time where, you know, re repetition can kind of hit home, especially if you've got a year seven and for the next five years I'm delivering on the same things. But I think it's just about changing the package every year. So for me, especially this year has been a huge challenge and a huge creative challenge for myself to come up with new ideas and new concepts because, you know, the schools I've currently worked with, the program that we've delivered, I can't just go back in and do a, you know, a rinse and repeat um, situation on those sessions. So it's a case of, getting up, thinking outside the box, such as this practical every week, alongside a theory session every week. Um, I know one of the other, um, one of the other uh, directors of sports I'm working with is looking at getting me in um, on their like captain's run match day minus one to deliver a talk as opposed to doing it um, at lunchtime on a school day. But we're going to do it on a Saturday instead um, this next year because he feels like over the weekend, that's when the players slip up on their nutrition, but that's when the game is. So actually having somebody there, you know, monitoring on a game day, having a little look, um, and giving them that kind of, you know, elite performance game day feel of, you know, the, um, you know, the Harry Bowls and the bananas and the fruits being out on the side ready for them to eat before. These guys are six formers, so they're protein shakes and protein bars, whichever one they do, are they up for after a game, making sure that their pre-match meal um, is, you know, on point. So we're going to utilise one of their um, food companies and we're going to get a specific performance menu together for those players. So before they go to a fixture, they've got a kitchen and, and kitchen staff that are going to deliver that. And I think it's a case of just expanding, but not necessarily coming away from that key and core values of nutrition. Because I think they can quite easily be lost with all the bells and whistles um, that you see in sport. And I think it's sticking to those foundations, but delivering them slightly differently. So, you know, they come across different. So players learn more um, and engage more with the sessions as opposed to them just being a repeat of last year's. 
Yeah, that sounds really comprehensive. And like you said, creating the continuity, but carving out key areas of time when you can obviously have really meaningful touch points. And it sounds like obviously you've had to put in a lot of work. It's that needs analysis, isn't it? When we get trained as performance nutritionists, we do that with athletes. But you've had to do that through COVID with certain schools and then obviously build the trust. And that sounds fantastic. You can then go in at the match day minus one, for example, with that school and speak to some of those students. And they might actually have a bit more headspace then to listen and and to take some of that in and to perform well. And then obviously if you can build rapport with some of these directors of sport as well. It looks good for them. You know, jokes aside, if they can have someone like you come in professional, you know, it's less headspace for them and they can outsource it, but in the right way. And then you can hopefully, as as a specialist, you can come in, you, you can agree. I don't know if that's a contract or if that's something where you're going to be getting consistent work for them. And, and then that's brilliant because you're building, you're building a smart side of your business. So everyone wins. And then obviously you're being, you're being paid for, some really comprehensive important and valuable work as well which we you know both know in the past we've done a lot of things for free which sometimes you kind of have to in this industry um but then yeah you're really carving things out and, and making your own way in there so i think anyone listening to this obviously if you're involved in a school or if you think actually you've got kids in a school or or you know you are someone who's working in this in this kind of uh, performance setup for young people then definitely reach out to to drn nutrition is it easy for people to get hold of you dan or are you quite you, you and your company quite stacked at the moment you know what's the what are the kind of next three four months over over the summer going to be like and then obviously i assume september it sounds like that's going to be a visit very busy period for you yeah so the way we work is uh, quite a small team uh, so there's myself and then a couple of consulting nutritionists that are, uh like you probably know you, you stay in touch with everybody from university because you're all kind of um, you know, graph together, you do all of the free work experience together, and then you tend to, after university, find your positions and roles in terms of where you go off. So I have, you know, specialists in sport, um, like myself, um, kind of an all-rounder in sport. I've got specialists in football and rugby, and then in health nutrition as well. I think it's really important. So, you know, I touch upon these guys for when it comes to the infographic making, and then also going in and delivering some of the content. I try my best when I can to go into every school that I, you know, work with, because, you know, they tend to want the I say the face of the company myself, you know, the, the Dan of the DRN Nutrition um, brand, so to speak. So I, you know, I don't think I've missed um, a school yet in terms of talking in person. I'll always make sure that I'm the one that's driving the car down to uh, to that talk and delivering, no matter where it is, because I think it's important that they associate my face with their kind of development in nutrition. Um, and, you know, it's, it's me that they're kind of wanting to see come down. But certainly behind the scenes, a few nutritionists that certainly help out with all the infographics. But yeah. Um, in terms of the next three or four months, a lot of the next three or four months is spent planning, going to conferences, deliverance. We've got a uh, directors of rugby talk coming up in St Albans that I'll be delivering uh, some rugby nutrition with, with a bunch of directors of rugby from schools. Yes. Um, is that with a, uh, just quickly, Dan, is that with a chap called Jamie Taylor? Yes. I used to go to university with him, so he captained. Really? He was a captain. I'll let him at, <laughs> at uni. So he's on the, he's on the um, speakers list, isn't he? Yeah, he's, uni, uh, uni Birmingham. I don't know. I, yeah, I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but definitely give him a shout because he used to be when I played Freshers team and then played um, for Uni Birmingham. He was this like formidable captain hooker, and he was just like a, a a man. By the time that I came in at eighteen, feeling like a boy, he was just this like full force. I'm sure he's you know I'm sure he's gone from strength to strength. But just say say hi and hopefully he remembers who I am. That'd be fun. Oh, I certainly will. So yeah, we've got you know 
the likes of that all coming up. We are doing some stuff with the um, independent schools in Wales. Um, so they've got a large conference coming up at the end of September uh, that we're planning on going down and delivering some um, kind of workshops for them. Um, and there's, you know, there's a bunch of exciting projects coming up as well. Um, I recently signed a head of nutrition deal with a company called Built for Athletes, uh, which is currently just a bank company, um, but they are expanding and they're looking at, you know, taking on uh, some competitions as well. So they're going to be entering teams into certain, you know, functional fitness, you know, national fitness games, things like that, where I'll be heading up their nutrition. One of their athletes is, um, you know, the world's strongest man, Tom Stolman. So the idea is world's strongest man as the world's strongest bag. So I'm hoping I get to do a little bit of work with him in the kitchen. Wow. Uh, we are at the moment in talks, I think, not too sure how much I can say about this, but we're in talks about doing some sort of, of kitchen workshops with him where he's going to talk through his diet and I'll be there as the nutritionist, you know, kind of discussing through why he's eating certain foods and as to why. Very cool. um, and obviously things like that are really exciting. But yeah, certainly September, um, mainly that first term actually. So from September right through to December mm. is a very busy period. We're, we're not fully booked. Um, you know, I never... I like to say we're ever fully booked, which we're not. I think our one-to-ones are definitely getting there in terms of delivering them on a one-to-one level, but our school packages are certainly still open for some more schools. Um, and we've got a couple of academy clubs coming up as well this year. So looking forward to going back into that elite sport as like the academy provider of nutrition and then working with head of nutrition and like the head of nutrition at certain clubs and also the first team nutritionists to deliver the package they want to their academies. Um, and again, that takes the pressure off those practitioners that, as you know, probably working in professional sport. And I know it's such a big stress when you've got to look after the scholarship and the academy players on top of the first team players as well. I think it, it can be a huge stress. But whereas when you can put the trust into a company, I think it's quite nice for them to be able to um, kind of take that step back, but still have a direct impact in terms of what's delivered and how it's delivered. So very similar to schools. But yeah, certainly over the summer is going to be busy in terms of planning and organising um, and then we kind of hit the ground running in September with, I think, currently 12 schools are coming on board um, in September. And then we've got a further, I think it's eight schools coming on board in the January. So we can try to stagger them a little bit. And that also depends on what sports they're playing at the time. Um, and then hopefully um, should be doing some international schools this year as well. So I should be heading over to Brussels uh, to work at the British School of Brussels and then also a school over in Switzerland as well, um, a British speaking school in um Switzerland so should be heading over whereas last year we just delivered them online this year they won't be to go down for a week and deliver some stuff within the schools um, and kind of you know live within that environment and really help the students progress with their health nutrition but then also their sports nutrition um, at the same time. Yeah soak it up in person like you said I think that's important because then you can see what kind of environment they're living in and how things work over there and I suppose the food culture too even though it's a you know yes. British school you want to understand that 20 schools coming on board that sounds brilliant and then yeah that real niche I haven't really thought about that before obviously going in as a nutrition company helping um, in elite sport when like you said certain practitioners performance nutritionists head of nutrition for, for teams they've got so much to do that they then can rely on a business like yourself to do it and um, yeah I think I've said it obviously before earlier if anyone is listening and, and they want to get involved in the comprehensive um, kind of setup that you guys have in DRN Nutrition then I'll leave obviously your website uh, Twitter Instagram is there anything else I should pop in the show notes Dan is there anything you want to let the, the people know about no I think to be honest yeah just if you know if there's something that's interesting and I know you probably have a lot of athletes listening uh, to your podcast as well if there's any kind of you know athletes that are looking just to better the nutrition we have so many um, opportunities on our Instagram to ask questions as well we leave our DMs open all the time every Friday we do a Friday Q&A which we answer any 
and all nutrition questions that you might have. Um, so I think, you know, like we were saying is that it's not always about paying for that nutritionist. I don't like the idea that, you know, not, not everybody has the, the funds, especially as athletes to pay for a nutritionist, but you can certainly get some really good free support and help from a bunch of different nutritionists, including, you know, myself and Matt. And I think, you know, if you were to reach out and ask a question we were saying earlier before we went live about, you know, some of our old new, um, nutrition clients, and I get it quite a lot with a few players that I've worked with at clubs that have specific questions for me and not the nutritionist at the club. It's a case of almost like um, I can't help but answer the questions that they have uh, because I just want to be, you know, effective and, and helpful where possible. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things we were chatting about earlier is an itch that we like to scratch. So, you know, if there's the odd nutrition question you might have, more, you know, our inboxes are always open. Um, we'll probably pop, pop my email as well. You can directly contact me through my email. Um, if you're looking to set up something more robust in your school or club when it comes to nutrition and then, yeah, just your general Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, we're very active on there and we post about what we get up to on there. So I think that's pretty much uh, everything that you need to include in the show notes anyway. Love that. Yeah, you're very transparent. And like I always say on the show, lovely people, if you are listening and you follow um, Dan, myself or, or anyone in this kind of performance nutrition world, don't be afraid to reach out. It's how Dan and I kind of got together through Instagram. It's where I get the majority of my guests. I'm almost up to 190 episodes. And it's all just through contacting people that I'm interested in that follow that follow me um, through LinkedIn, through Instagram. And it's brilliant. The Friday Q&A sounds good. I think you do a, is it your Fuel Your Monday blog as well, I saw? Is that something yeah, that you so po- that you have on yeah. your website as well? We'll that sounds fantastic. It's not yet, not yet gone live, um, but we're, we're kind of just backlogging the, uh, the yeah. blogs ready to post. Uh, on a Monday, we'll be doing a Fuel Up Mondays, which will be every Monday. We'll cover a different nutrition topic around a certain area. And the way that's going to work is as we go on in terms of with our nutrition, um, on our website, we'll dictate that based on the people that are following and looking at our stuff. We think a, a blog needs to go out about protein. That will be what goes, goes out on the Monday. And it'll be the first Monday of every month. And then another thing that we've got currently going on that's going to be make this summer very busy is we're going to be launching a members site um, for our athletes and the people that we work with. So the way that's going to work is it'll be a very small subscription fee, but any content that we deliver, infographics, um, you know, webinars, anything like that will all be in one hub that you can access for a small fee. And that's just to basically keep the maintenance of the website running. Um, and the idea behind that is if you're a, you know, American football player, for example, some of the guys who work in American football, if they don't want to pay for that premium nutrition, you know, which can be of upwards of, you know, hundreds of pounds, they can click into this kind of very um, easily accessible and affordable membership site that will have everything they need to know about American football nutrition that's handpicked from the research. So it's not like, when you type in online football nutrition and the Sun article comes up or the Daily Mail comes up or whatever, whatever newspapers out there now that are delivering on nutrition saying that, you know, fruits is bad for sport or whatever it might be trying to, you know, convince you of, you know that the um, the infographics and the information that's available on this website um, will always be research based, backed by science and a food first approach. Um, and then the plan is we're going to get a few um, guest speakers and guest nutritionists onto that members platform to talk about their specific disciplines. So something like a podcast like yourself, um, Matt, but, you know, looking more at the deeper sides of maybe like a football nutrition webinar or a sprinting coach nutrition webinar um, and really going down the roots of getting into the, um, you know, the fine tuning details of sports nutrition. Um, but that's not going to be something until we release in probably mid, mid-summer, late-summer probably around September time we'll launch that um, but certainly an exciting project to look out for if you are looking for that easily affordable nutrition 
um, support from a practitioner. Yeah, it sounds excellent. So vetted content and then low barrier to entry, I think. And then if people have this coming into their inbox or something they can follow, then it just takes you a little bit of time to commit to something like that, lovely people. But whatever it is, if you can then find once a week or once every two weeks or once a month to digest that kind of content, then you're going to start cutting through the nutritional noise. And like you said, Dan, if then people want one-to-one approach, they can go up the ladder. Obviously, that'll incur cost and things, but that's really just because practitioners like ourselves are putting in more time and making it more bespoke. But Matt, it's absolutely fantastic everything you're doing and thanks so much for giving us <clears throat> time today on the show because obviously you know you're, you're you're a busy man but it's brilliant to be able to get your work your message your enthusiasm your passion everything out because obviously we follow each other and then hopefully now this you know brings brings you to a to a slightly different audience you know down south as well yeah hopefully so and i've ventured down south a couple of times with uh, schools in like kent and stuff i'm really enjoying my time down south so it's uh you know, I'm hoping to spend a little bit more time down south because the weather seems a little bit better than up north. It's always raining up here. Um, so I'm hoping to get a bit of summer down south uh, where I can. But no, thank you very much, Matt, for having me on. And, you know, I always, you know, big fan of the podcast, um, listen to it myself. So quite honoured to be a guest to come on um, and speak with you today just about kind of my journey. And hopefully if there's some practitioners listening on here today um, that are kind of inspired by kind of my journey, by all means, reach out. Um, I like to, you know, help to mentor, similar to yourself, mentor young practitioners and mould them into that kind of, you know, elite package of a nutritionist. Um, And it's always great to see somebody, you know, go from that university level all the way through to that first team level of working with teams and becoming a performance nutritionist because, you know, myself and yourself had that young passion from a young age to go and pursue it. Um, And, you know, if somebody else is, you know, in the same boat and they feel like, you know, they're me and you maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we first started out playing sport and looking deeper at nutrition, um, then by all means, reach out to me. Happy to answer any questions you have about working in sport, working in schools and, you know, working for yourself as a practitioner as well. Yeah, it's a bumpy road. So offering that support, I think is fantastic. And mate, no, I really appreciate that. But without guests like yourself, people obviously listening to the show, coming on the show, giving me, you know, their time, your time, then it wouldn't exist. So it's yeah. brilliant to have you on and um yeah lovely people definitely reach out everything you need in the show notes to speak to dan <clears throat> follow everything along obviously from a visual aspect you'll see everything he's doing in schools on instagram and then obviously as the blog comes out and as the subscription service all the information comes out and then if you need him if you think he's right for you know the school you're at or an academy nutritionist kind of consultancy role then please get in touch uh, share this show that'd be brilliant check everything out from 33 fuel in the show notes and we'll uh, speak to you soon thank you very much